0: You're listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Putnam. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the Rugged Legacy Podcast. Today, I'm joined by guest Andrew Loeschner, a good friend of mine who is young enough to be my son, yet someone that I have found more in common with and someone that I find very admirable Uh, as a young man in this day and age who hasn't succumbed to the pressures of society and seems to have uh, built up a system within himself to where he is resilient to being pressured by societal norms or what society deems normal, what society deems acceptable and what society deems unacceptable Uh, as a masculine young man, Uh, With conservative and Christian views, he's decided to better himself through education and go to college at one of the most liberal schools in America, and I am very curious as to exactly what he does and how life is for him, especially being surrounded by scores of people who would look at anything that this man has to say and immediately be put off by it or just shut him down completely because it isn't quote-unquote woke. So, Andrew, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. That's quite an intro. Appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Hey, I'm just speaking the truth, man. So I guess we'll start off with uh, telling us a little bit about you, uh, who you are, where you're from.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from southern New York. I live a little bit around the New York City area. And I was born and raised in a Christian home went to preschool for a brief period of time uh, because my mom worked at the preschool. So I was able to get in for free, you know, nepotism or something like that. And then from K through 12, I was homeschooled. I was part of a Christian homeschool community. So a good number of my friends came from that community. And then after high school, I graduated out, wasn't quite sure what to do. And so my parents were like, well, how about you go to the local community college? It's cheap. You can kind of try to figure it out from there. It's a two year school. So even if you just go for two years, you get some kind of degree out of it. Uh, and that's what I did. I got an associate's degree and decided to transfer to a four-year school and complete the last two years just to get a bachelor's in communication. Uh, but that that four-year school is, like you said, it's one of the most liberal colleges in the country. If you type in most liberal colleges in the USA, it's it usually ranks in the top twenty-five. And there are thousands of universities in this in this country, so it's it's up there.
0: Yeah. Uh... I have a, my oldest son, he goes to college in Texas and some of the things that I've heard from you don't really match with some of the things that he said, but you are in New York. Uh, So, you know, him, him being out in Texas and you being in New York, there's going to be a little bit of a demographic difference, but one of the things I'm worried about with my other kids as they get into college are some of the pressures and things they deal with and you know, it's not just from other students, but it's from teachers as well. It's from the professors who seek to untrain, it would seem, people from the way they grew up to meet their own personal uh, ideological views. Uh, have you experienced anything like that?
1: A little bit. What I've, one of the things I've noticed for sure is that professors, if they don't actively try to indoctrinate students, they never challenge the other students that try to indoctrinate their peers, which is a really interesting thing. So students will say something like, I have, so I've seen students straight up say like, honestly, gender is bullshit. Like I don't believe in gender. And I'm kind of looking at them like, what the, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? And, and the teacher, instead of challenging that at all, or even even like playing remotely devil's advocate to go like, hey, I agree with you, but consider this viewpoint. Or this argument, the teacher will kind of just nod and go like, "Yeah, yeah," and no, I, "I get what you're saying." And then they'll like move on to the next thing. Like, you're not challenging. There's no challenging of the woke beliefs that students have, so to speak.
0: See, and that that's very odd to me because you would think, in academia of all places, the best way to confirm an idea would be to challenge it, and have it withstand all challenging viewpoints. And the fact that that's not being done anymore in an academic setting is kind of disconcerting and unsettling. Um, I have a vast number of friends from all different walks of life, all different points of view. Uh, one of my best friends is a democratic socialist and we agree on hardly nothing, but some of our most intense, I guess you can call them debates where we are challenging each other's views and I learn a little bit more from him he learns a little bit more from me and what you're describing just sounds like an echo chamber
1: it is (laughs) that's that's really what it is it's an echo chamber everyone's used to hearing their own beliefs kind of parroted back at them if not if not in high school because i've actually heard stories about teachers being a little bit more conservative sometimes in high school but when you get to at least this college if not colleges in general uh you you definitely have this this thing which it's just a positive feedback loop. the students will say something the professor will kind of reaffirm it other students will be like huh okay maybe they have a point point. and next thing you know everyone's kind of just believing all the same things and it's, it's bouncing around and there's no voice of dissidence Uh, partly because it gets shut down and partly because the people who are the dissidents, like myself, sometimes go, it's not worth it. You know, I'm in a class of 30 people, literally no one agrees with me. So I'm going to make a grandstand on some point and then 29 people in the class are going to hate me or, or maybe just not be mad at me, but you know, at the very least they'll disagree. Sometimes they'll be mad or outright offended. And then who knows if the professor will give me a lower grade because that's always up in the air. And it's hard to prove, that a professor gave you a lower grade because of your political beliefs, unless you were cranking out like papers that were getting ninety eights all semester long, and then suddenly you you land with a D. Uh, yeah. Little um, things.
0: Yeah. That. Oh, is that something that you've personally experienced? Where you've been, have you been in uh, a lecture or classroom kind of setting where something was stated you decided you were going to give your point of view on it and you were just shut down or.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So I, here's the thing about a lot of these. these I like the
0: way videos. you said that it's not like it's going to be juicy.
1: Yeah, kind of. Um, so I was in this like culture identity and, and politics kind of classes an interesting ish. Well, this Before is you, one,
0: before you go into the story, explain what yeah. that is a culture identity and politics class.
1: It's so it's a political science class. And the guy basically was attempting to teach on, uh, you know, breaking down culture, identity, and you know how identities can be made up of multiple things would be politics, religion, like everyone has multiple intersecting points of identity. Right, so I could say like, I'm a straight white Christian male, those are all parts of my identity, something like that. And uh, how that all kind of plays out into the political realm. Honestly, the class was mostly postmodernist critical theory nonsense. Do you remember, uh, I don't know, I I know you saw this, the listeners probably won't have, but at uh, winter, so back in December, I posted on Twitter a picture of one of my assignment questions and it was what's one of your takeaways from this class and my takeaway was all this stuff is bullshit. This is stupid. None of it makes sense. You're changing the definitions of regular words just to back up your theory. And then I ended it with uh, that quote from sanction about like these rules. Religion has come up with rules that were tested for 300 million years. And you don't just get to flip that on its head because you feel like it, and uh, so that was kind of my meta theory. That was like my way of kind of telling the professor, like you, I, I disagree with you on everything. Uh, but so the story goes, we feminism came up, and my professor is primarily he's from Brooklyn, super hipster kind of dude. Uh, he's he's gay. He looks very gay. He's got the tight clothing, the shaved kind of head with the like the size of the shave like a little top knot and he then doesn't feel like a weird man bun thing. Uh, he, he looks like a typical kind of social justice type. And feminism comes up and eventually this one kid, this one guy from Haiti decides to kind of make a point. He's like, yeah, but consider this opposite view. And he kind of gets shut down a little bit. Uh, he's not, he wasn't best at articulating his point, so I don't even remember exactly what it was. But he was kind of just trying to say, like, yo, feminism hasn't, doesn't seem like it's a bad quality right now. I think that was kind of the, the gist of this point. And then this one girl goes, well, I don't get how people hate feminism because it's literally like just we want equality. And I was like, you know, the whole literally, like we literally just want equality. And she goes, how can people dislike feminism? How can people be against it? And this was literally like one week after Adam Lane Smith, who's your previous podcast guest, posted his story about being a kid who was abused by a woman in the name of feminism because they thought that that was empowering to them. And so I basically brought that up and I was like, look, people, there are people who dislike feminism because they've been abused by supposed feminists in the name of feminism. They have they see, they don't genuinely believe it's about equality. Clo- like I basically answered a question. She said, why don't people like feminism? I said, here, this is why people don't like feminism, because of this, 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 and this. And um, and instead of making any kind of counterpoint or anything like that, two minutes later into the class, this girl who's sitting off in the corner, who's like the teacher's favorite, because they had, I guess she had been in a previous one of his classes a semester before, goes well I don't really feel like being lectured on men about feminism she didn't point out me and the other guy but like we're the only two men that said anything so so she makes that point and then the teacher doesn't single us out either but he goes like yeah no I understand and then he brings it up next week which is like look you know speak it's best to speak on topics that you're qualified to speak in you don't want to deny people's experiences and I'm looking at like the other the dude from Haiti and I'm thinking like he didn't deny anyone's experience. Like he brought up a, a valid counterpoint, and I basically just answered this girl's simple question with my own anecdotal experience and the friends. And uh, they didn't go like, Andrew, you're a white man, shut the fuck up. They didn't say that to me, but there was definitely that implicit. Like she straight up said two minutes after I made my comment, like, well, I don't feel like being lectured on feminism by men who have never lived this experience. Just, I-, I couldn't help but roll my eyes into the back of my head
0: yeah you know going back to what i said with academia some of the greatest innovations and some of the greatest advancements have been because ideas were challenged and i honestly believe you know i'm very apolitical i don't give a crap whoever's in office i could care less i'm Uh, I I tend to just do what I want anyway. I don't really care who's in office. (laughs) Um, I don't support this guy. I'm not going to support the next guy. I didn't support the previous guy. (laughs) That's just me. Um, But anyone who can have their ideas challenged and still stand firm in them has my respect. I don't care what your ideas are. Uh, I often come across as more conservative. And maybe that's because I have a Southern upbringing. But I think a lot of it gets meshed into, well, you don't understand this. You don't understand that. And it's more of a stereotype uh, than the accuser would like to realize what they're doing. Uh, for example, you know, my wife is Hispanic. My 14-year-old son is gay. But when people hear my points of view on anything, they go, oh, well, you must be racist and you must be homophobic and you don't know what it's like to deal with racism. I live in the South and I have a Hispanic wife we've experienced. And, you know, my kids are mixed. We've experienced racism just going to restaurants. You know, it was probably 15 years ago, maybe longer. My wife and I were in a restaurant and the waitress came up, took my order did not take my wife's order as she was sitting right there with me and just walked away she comes back and she goes well here's your order are you going to take her order well i didn't know she wanted to eat anything can you ask her you're standing right here it's your job you're the waitress ask her well i didn't know she spoke english wow yeah and and you know with like i have a son like I said, who's gay. And we had to pull him out of public school because of the bullying that he was experiencing. And the policy we have on bullies is you have to break them in half. Yeah. And so he was being accosted by geese. <laughs> but one of the policies that we have on bullying, you break a bully in half. And so he was constantly having to fight because people were just picking on him for who he is. And no one should be, Belittled for who they are. You want to be who you are, cool. You know, one of the best things I ever said uh, to our mutual friend Hunter Drew was, "I don't care what my son puts in his mouth as long as it's not meth." <laughs> or <crack. laughs> yeah, or correct. Well, I don't know. Ed Lattimore may have something to say about that.
1: Yeah, he's got superhuman powers.
0: Yeah, but you know, people won't typically understand or expect someone from my background or your background to have people from the other ends of the spectrum of, I guess you can call it cultural identity uh, to have had the similar kinds of experiences when it's not just one group, it's individuals just being assholes, you know, because for every single person that was bullying my son, he had plenty of friends. You know, for every single person that's been disparaging to my wife or to my kids or me because I'm in an interracial relationship, I've had tons of people who just don't even seem to notice or give a crap about it. So it's not even brought up. You know, just normal people, people without that asshole chip on their shoulder. And I think with, you know, like with what you experienced in that class with, you know, someone saying, well, someone who's never lived this experience shouldn't say anything that's kind of a doubt an outright assumption that you've never experienced anything like that in your life or know anybody who's ever experienced anything like that in your life and so you're not allowed to speak on it but i i I think with modern academics being pulled further and further away from having ideas challenged I think we're going to see more and more of these echo chambers kind of spring up Um, and no one grows in an echo chamber I know we all have our own groups and networks of people who tend to believe as we do because aesthetically we're inclined to be attracted and drawn to people who are like us but that doesn't mean we're singling others out or hating on them just like I don't I, will, I refuse to believe that anybody who is a uh, quote-unquote feminist or quote-unquote liberal is intentionally singling out or being drawn to hating someone of a different viewpoint. I think that is something that comes from a uh, hive mentality. They see one doing it, and it's their friends, so they back them up and so forth and so on, and so it kind of gets blown up out of proportion. Yes. So for for all of the uh, for all of the negatives that you've seen, what what have you seen positive wise on your uber liberal campus of the university w- that will not be named?
1: <laughs> yeah, the uh, the positive things there's probably two major ones, but it's the fact that, like you said, a lot of it's a hive mind, if you can get someone away from the hive, you can usually have a decent conversation with them. If you can sit down one-on-one with someone and start hashing out ideas and just go, hey, I want to understand why you believe this, or, and they go, hey, I want to understand why you believe that, you'll probably have a decent conversation. So I'm a uh, communications major and a journalism minor, and for my journalism class, I had to interview people, obviously. So I was doing a profile piece on a professor, and I interviewed one of the students, so we sat down the, at the um, campus Starbucks. And we just got to talking, and for 20 minutes we did the interview, and then we both had a lot of time to kill, so we ended up talking a little bit about politics. And this is like a, this is this girl who's got like super bright blue hair, and she's she's very left leaning. And we get to talking, and I told her like I, I'm pretty clean one on one. I'm very open about my beliefs. So I go, look, I'm pro life, I'm pro gun, I'm very conservative, this kind of thing. And I'll, I won't say I won't shout that out in the classroom, but if you ask me, I'll tell you the truth. Right. So, so, um, we get to, we get to talking that comes up and she starts asking me about my beliefs. She's like, you know, well, why do you believe that? Why do you support that? That kind of thing. Uh, and I explained it to her and then I started asking her questions. You know, why do you, like, she she springs out that idea of like, I think every white person deep down is kind of racist. And I was like, well, what, what, what informs that mentality? And she goes, and she explains it to me and I don't agree with her whatsoever. I think it's, I think it's bullshit. But I get where she's coming from. And what you find is that a lot of these people who believe these outrageous things, half the time, if not most of the time, half the time they're just really, really, really nice kids that were never told by their parents, yo, this isn't how the world works. And So they just, they just want to help everyone and they want to be nice to everyone and they don't see how tolerating everything can lead to intolerance over time. They don't see how tolerating everything can cause problems. They just think, hey, I don't want to hurt this, pe- this person's feelings. So most of these people don't come from this evil, angry place. Some of them do. Uh, I think there are definitely some who, who use their ideology as a as a baseball bat to just club people over the head with. But I think most of them are just really nice kids that have the most involved parents and probably didn't have the most involved dad telling, them, "Look, kiddo, I understand why you feel that way, but here's how the world looks. Life isn't fair, and that's okay. That life's not fair."
0: Yeah. And, you know, that kind of goes on both sides, I believe. You have these really nice kids who come from conservative backgrounds who have always been told to be nice. And so they use their ideology as a point for them to stand on but they don't necessarily use it for clubbing someone over the head you know that maybe they had maybe they had a nuanced uh, view of culture or people or whatever in their upbringing but then there are those who are like the hardliners you know the ones that will beat you over the head uh with conservative views which those guys are equally as annoying as the ones who would try to beat you over the head with you know, liberal views. Uh, and so, yeah, I see what you're saying. Maybe maybe it's just because the ones that you're able to have decent conversations with when you break them away from the hive, whether it be an uber conservative or an uber liberal, maybe, just maybe, and this is probably going out on a limb here, maybe, They just don't want to hurt someone's feelings, and so, like you said, they let things that shouldn't be tolerated go unchallenged or unquestioned for simple, you know, for the simple fact of they don't want to rock the boat, they don't want to make waves, and they don't want to cause trouble. But that kind of leads into the whole discussion, and we can go into that if you want that questioning something isn't necessarily hating it you know we we question things to try to understand things we question things to get a better view of things but there are those like you said who if they are questioned it's like world war three kicked off and they're ready to just hold their views over their head and start bashing you on the skull with it
1: well here's the reality that i've come across over over the few years in college and i sincerely believe this when it comes to politics, most people don't know why they believe what they believe. They were either, it's typically they were brought up a certain way. And so because they were brought up that way, they believe those things without really thinking about them. Or the opposite, because they were brought up that way, they're going to rebel. And so they're not going to live that way. They're going to go the complete opposite direction. It's usually one of those two. So if you ask someone, why are you conservative? Why are you liberal? Most aren't going to give you a thought out answer. Most of them aren't going to give you something like, look, I believe strongly in the individual and limited government and the constitution. And therefore I'm conservative because of those reasons. Most of the time it'll be like, well, because liberals are stupid or something like that or or vice versa, you know, liberals will say something nice. Like, well, you know, conservatives are racist or whatever, whatever thing they come up with. Most people just believe what they believe because it's what they've been bombarded with. And so they either have fallen in line or have intentionally taken the opposite stance because they want to rebel and they think that rebellion, some people think rebellion is inherently good. And uh, I think it's definitely good within certain contexts, 100%. You can say I'm a little rebellious to the teachings of my school, but you know, rebellion for in and of or for itself isn't necessarily a good thing
0: yeah you're too young but there was a movie that i watched growing up called rebel without a cause
1: okay yeah
0: i'm pretty sure you've heard of it
1: definitely heard of it haven't seen it
0: though james dean uh if you need to watch it (laughs) you know james dean was this this character in real life as much as he was on the movie um Uh, he was—he just rebelled against everything that society had. You know, this is back in the time when rock and roll was kind of making its peak. Uh, he had the greaser hair, the leather jacket, the souped-up fast cars when everybody wanted him to sit down, be nice, you know, be a nice little button-down church boy and, you know, sing hymnals all day. And everybody wanted to be James Dean, all right? And I, I didn't grow up at the time, James, James Dean died before I was born. But, you know, I grew up watching all these old classic movies and things like that, but rebel without a cause. And, you know, you said, and you saying that rebellion in and of itself isn't really a good thing. And you're right. I agree with you. I don't think a lot of people know what they're rebelling against on both sides of the aisle. And which is why I try to stay as apolitical as possible. Um, And yes, some of my just inherent and innate views may come across as conservative. But you can ask someone anything. And if they've wrapped their identity and who they are around a talking point or some political statement, you're not going to get a well thought out answer. You're not going to get, an actual conversation. You're going to have, you know, just someone throwing snowballs at a brick wall trying to get through it. So what do you think as far as college campuses these days, or at least the one you're on, on a daily basis, uh, what do you think would be beneficial as far as being able to change that?
1: Man, that's a good question. You know, honestly, everything should have been preemptive. If all these people had grown up with involved dads, I think a lot would have been different. I really believe that. But that's that's in the past. and that, There's no fix in that. Um, that's only for us as the current generation to, to fix going forward, which is why for myself, raising my kids properly when I have them, and hopefully that's within the next five years. Uh, that's one of the most important things. But in terms of right now, Take them out and make them do some blue collar work, you know, <laughs> and I'm serious and I know that that fits like right into your kind of line of thinking because you're such a you such a hardcore blue collar guy but um, I, I sincerely believe that and the reason is because these people have grown up thinking that they're the downtrodden and the oppressed, while they live in some of the bougiest white uh, neighborhoods I live in one of the most expensive counties in the country. And The town that I live in is on the, it's it's the middle of the road. Uh, It's actually on the lower end for, for my County, but there's like, there's towns here where the median income is 417 grand. Wow. Uh, that's, That's the most expensive one in the, in the County, but then, you know, there's some right behind it that are, that are in that range. So you get these kids that grow up in these environments, these very suburban middle upper class environments. And they think that they're the oppressed ones. And then they go to university where they can afford to dorm there and, and they think, and it's like, no, no, you can, how about you go, you work out in an oil field, if you want to go really hardcore, or just work in construction for a little bit, you know, instead of your, instead of the office job where you're working as like a tumbler technician, and and you'll see what people are struggling, because I was talking, so when I was talking with that girl, she goes, she's talking about that whole, like, well, people are implicitly racist because we were a racist society, and therefore there's remnants of that in each individual, and I said, Look, most people don't care. <laughs> most guys that I know are dudes who are, who are working really hard so they can put food on the table for the families, and that's all they care about. They don't have time to worry about implicit racism, uh, microaggressions, asking, you know, where are you from implies that you're not from here, and that's mildly racist. Like They don't care about that thing. They don't have time to sift through all that, to think, am I being rude or not in that regard? Because they're too busy worrying about, well, I got a car payment, maybe. I got a house payment, almost for sure. I got kids between, you know, two of them or or five of them or whatever, nine in your case. You know, you got all these things to worry about. You know, like in the list of a thousand things to worry about, microaggressions are probably like five million, (laughs) the highest on that list.
0: I don't even know what a microaggression is.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like, it's when you're not, it's kind of like just being an asshole, but in a way that's even like more implicit as opposed to explicit.
0: So was it like, like a passive aggressive statement?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. And that's, and they only attach a big word like aggression to it. And suddenly like this is something that you could potentially get in trouble for. Those, most people don't actually get like called into an office for microaggression. I'm going to concede that point. It's not like we get Gestapo going around like, oh, he asked where this guy's from, bring him to the dean's office. That's like, not,
0: not how things go. Yeah, I think there are maybe a lot of misconceptions. Uh, I've never been on a college campus uh, outside of going to college games. Um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of misconceptions, though, where – and I don't want this episode to come across this way, where people think that, you know, I am – or you are completely bashing the college life. I think there are some things that go on where, yeah, you're going to get smashed down on if you have a different viewpoint than someone else. But then just like you said, there are a lot of people that just don't care. They're just there. All I want to do is get a degree so I can pay off these goddamn loans,
1: yep.
0: you know? And there are a lot of people who don't care about that. So not any more than there are people who are walking around, screaming at you that you're being microaggressive or macroaggressive or whatever, there's also not that, you know, like you said, a Gestapo walking around like thought police wearing a big badge telling you, well, you can't ask this guy where he's from, or you can't say that guy's got a weird haircut or whatever. I know there's not that. So what are some of the misconceptions that you can probably correct when you see an article or someone from let's say a hard right hardliner right guy starts totally crapping on college campuses as far as well they do this and they do that and they do this and they do that and they do this I'll, I, I know there and a lot of those are not true yeah. or maybe even just over exaggerated
1: yeah some of them are exaggerated some of them are not i haven't seen personally i haven't seen any students get kicked out of class for both in kind of conservative opinion. um it, I'm sure it happens every now and then, but it's not, it's not common. Uh, I have not personally seen or experienced people getting lower grades for conservative views. Once again, maybe it happens, but I, from my anecdotal experience and the people, the few conservatives I know on campus haven't seen that happen. Uh, and I, one of my buddies is pretty outspoken about it. He got into like, he, one of his classes, they had like a formal debate. and He was, he was debating in a pro-life stance. So so, you know, he's definitely, he's definitely pretty vocal about that and he didn't really get in a whole lot of, he didn't get too much flack for that. Uh, so, uh, it's that kind of thing, extreme, like this guy got kicked out, this guy was given a failing grade, that kind of thing, that doesn't really happen. Um, do professors say weird things and assign readings that argue that gender is not real? Absolutely, they do, uh, all the time. I think the prevalent opinion there is that gender is a social construct. If you go around asking, is X a co- social construct? This are more, more often than not, people will say yes. So gender, gender roles, men, well, like anything related to that social construct, you will probably get a few crazies arguing that, that men and women are not biologically like men are not biologically stronger than women. I don't know if that's the majority that's going to make that point, but you'll definitely find some, uh, it's, it's, it's a balance. Like I said, I go to one of the more liberal ones. So some of the crazy stuff that I see definitely exists. There's def- everyone's got a little bit of a social justice slant. Most of the people in my college do look like the stereotypical social justice lawyer they're wearing. They're either very overweight, they have tattoos, they have a butt on piercings And I'm talking like ugly, ugly tattoos. <laughs> um, a picked, like a tattoo on a table and a chair next to it. Like, what's the, what's the meaning in that? I don't know, maybe there is one, but I sure don't know it. Uh, the, the extremely strange dyed hair. And there are a lot of transgender people on campus for sure. So I have experienced walking down, like walking down the, the middle of the green or whatever. And, and uh, someone will be walking in the opposite direction towards you And you can't tell if that's a guy or a girl, what they're supposed to be, and then what they biologically are until you get like right next to them. And even then sometimes you can't tell that's not something you see normally in general, anywhere else outside of that college. I've been to New York city many times, uh, you know, in the heart of Manhattan and Brooklyn. And, uh, I don't see that nearly as much as I do on my actual college campus. So there's definitely a coalescing of, of the more social justice types, because like I said, I think a little while back it's an art school it's mostly performing arts and theater arts and and all those kinds of things so it attracts that crowd right now
0: something you just said you know everyone has kind of a social justice slant I think that's true of everyone right and left Um, we're drawn to kind of root for the underdog and the downtrodden yeah that's for sure But I think that can kind of go into extremes. Uh, I think uh, I remember seeing something a while back. I think it was the presidential candidate, uh, Yang, Andrew Yang. That's his Mm -hmm. name. He said something along the lines, and it was in regards to an SNL actor being fired because he made an Asian joke in a skit. And he said, you can't be more offended than the victim. And I think... While, yeah, we root for the underdog, and that's completely fine. You know, I've been an underdog more times in my life than I can count. I think we all have, but I can't want that spot on the team more than Rudy. You know what I mean? I can't want to beat Apollo Creed more than Rocky. I'm not – black i'm not hispanic i'm not asian i'm not gay i'm not transgender i can't want what they want more than they do yeah. and i i can't be more mad about something that pertains to them than they are but i i think that tends to be what happens uh in this social justice realm
1: What's, what's what's kind of interesting and weird at the same time is it's almost like there's a silent war going on. Because, like I said, if you go one-on-one with someone, you might find a bunch of things you agree on in terms of superficial stuff. Like, oh, I like this TV show, blah, blah, blah. Um, and maybe when you talk about the important issues, you'll kind of, you'll disagree, but you maybe you'll see their kind of point of view. But then you... What's weird is this, the world that you and I are fighting for and wants for our children and that we want to see play out in the future, and the world that our community on Twitter so to speak, so guys like Tanner Guzzi, Hunter Drew, Adam Williams, guys like that, um, the world that we kind of want to bring about is the complete opposite of the world that these people want. And so some, there are some things you can't see eye to eye on, like I had a friend growing up who in you know, a Christian homeschool community and he came out as gay and that wasn't actually a huge problem it was a little weird because we never had that in a Christian homeschool community but everyone treated him the same and uh, he recently came out as trans now and so he's identifying as a woman and I don't really talk to him much because we went off to college we split uh, we didn't have any kind of falling out or anything we're just far away but I saw one of his tweets recently and he's like well Joe Rogan is a transphobic piece of shit and I'm like I don't I don't think that at all. I don't believe that. And the fact that you can look at this guy and not only say, oh, he's this and he's a piece of shit for it. And I look at that and go, like, I don't believe that that's the case and I don't think he's a piece of shit for it. We see the same thing, but we're not really seeing the same thing. And Jack Murphy made that point, too. There's no common reality anymore. We will look at the same object and we can't even agree on what it is half the time now. So the world that they want to bring about where there is no such thing as gender, where everyone is kind of just an androgynous blob and can kind of pick whatever they want. That's not the world that I believe we should have. That's not the world that I would fight for. And, you know, same thing for us, like we believe in, I don't, I'm I'm pretty big on the concept of monogamy. I don't think these polyamorous relationships are something that's either desirable or beneficial for society. And these people are like, well, let everyone do what they want. It's like, yes, I understand that viewpoint. But eventually it does erode at the foundations of of broader society because then you kids are raised in this environment without the two parents that are particularly involved. And that leads to all kinds of psychological damage. It just goes down generation by generation. and next thing you know, you get a whole bunch of broken people. And so while on a civil level, I get along with these people, the worlds that we want are diametrically opposed. And so I wonder when, if ever, that's going to come to a head if there's ever going to be any problems that come out
0: of that. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned the word phobic, you know, when you, when you were talking about how your friend had said that Joe Rogan was transphobic and earlier in the episode, you mentioned that people are just kind of reassigning definitions to words. Well, in the world that I grew up in, which, <laughs> you know, is the same one that everybody else is living in. Phobic implies fear.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. You
0: know, I'm not homophobic. I don't fear gay people. I have a son who's gay. I'm certainly not going to be, you know, running across the room every time he comes in to get to the other side. Uh, I'm not transphobic. Now, I personally don't believe that if you're born a man, you can say, well, I'm a woman now. But that doesn't mean I hate you. It doesn't mean I'm, it doesn't mean I'm not going to stand up and go, hey, you can't treat this person like that. If someone's kicking the crap out of someone who identifies as transgender for the sake of them being transgender, I'm going to go over there and intervene. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not yeah. going to yeah, you're not going to treat this person this way. Now, do I believe that this dude wearing a wig is a woman? No, but I'm still not going to let him be treated like crap and i think that that's something that kind of gets lost with you know i guess you can call it modernity is people go well if you disagree or you don't agree or you question or you challenge that implies you hate it you know if i disagree with um my son uh who is gay is a big fan of this guy, uh, Jeffrey Starr. he owns some kind of makeup line, right yeah, I know them. Yeah, yeah. okay well if I disagree with something Andrew Starr says or Je- sorry Jeffrey Starr says yeah. Yeah. if I disagree with something Jeffrey Star says, that doesn't mean I hate Jeffrey Starr. you know what I mean and yeah. if Jeffrey Star was if Jeffrey Starr was locked in his house and there was an angry mob of people who just hate gay people and I had the means to help him, I would because he's a human. Do I agree with everything that he says? Do I have to agree with everything that he says because he has a different point of view than mine? no, but if I don't agree, that doesn't imply that I hate him. And you get these labels thrown around like transphobic, homophobic, xenophobic. And again, phobia and phobic implies phobia. Phobia is fear. And disagreeing with someone isn't fearing them. Even fearing them isn't hating them. I know there, there's that whole uh, old adage of people fear what they don't understand, people hate what they fear, and yada yada yada. But I don't think that's the case. You know, if just if I disagree with your lifestyle, I'm not. My son is gay, but I don't particularly agree with his lifestyle. But I love him. He's my son. I hope he marries a good man, and I hope he turns out to be a good man. But that doesn't mean that I should change what I do and go out and find myself a good man, (laughs) you know what I mean, unless you're available.
1: (laughs) Maybe. Uh, See, that's the thing is disagreement does not necessitate hatred or lack of civility. Yeah, I, I see that. And so I think I get mad when people start saying you're a terrible human or when people say I hate you. I don't, I don't get mad, like, riled up, but, like, if you're going to come at me and say you hate me or I'm a terrible person because I disagree with certain things, then, yeah, you and I aren't going to get along. But if You're just a regular person going about your day, and you – one of my best friends in college I'm, – I'm, I hate communism, period. One of my best friends in college is a communist.
0: As you should. As you should.
1: Exactly. So, you know, I think it's one of the most terrible ideologies in the world, but this guy was one – he was intellectually honest. Two, he was one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. It was ridiculous. you um, got along fantastically. And we disagreed on a lot of things. And we agreed on a lot of things, too. We would kind of, like, look at problems, and we could identify a problem mutually and go, like, this is a problem. But then I'd go, I think this is how we fix it. And he's like, no, I think we fixed it this way. So so he and I saw eye to eye sometimes and not so much others. But I, I loved him to death, and he was he, hes a good friend. Um, and that's as simple as that. He and I were he went so far as to say like Jesus wasn't even a real person like he doesn't even exist and I'm like you're, you're wrong but I mean even if you don't believe he's the son of God he was a person and we disagreed on that but like I like him he's a cool dude he's very friendly and uh, I, like I said disagreement doesn't necessitate hatred and it's only when hatred is brought in that then I'll, I'll meet that with not even necessarily hatred but with with whatever force is necessary be it blocking someone on twitter or if you're going to punch me in person i'm going to punch back you know whatever whatever is applicable most likely it's just some asshole on the internet and you, you the block buttons is, is there for that reason you done it's as simple as that because most people are, it's, like i said one-on-one they're civil enough you get them in a group they're not so great and if they're in a group on the internet then forget it they'll say they'll say things that half the time they don't mean or maybe, and that's here's something that i always struggle with is, on the internet, when people say dumb shit, do they really mean it? Is this, a, is this a window into their soul? Is this them revealing their true character? Or are they just playing a character? because you know, Hell if I know.
0: Yeah. You know, going back to what we had talked about with the Hive mentality, and there's probably nothing that can be said to change my mind on this. I believe that people are stupid a person has the capacity to be intelligent um my uncle my uncle used this advantage when i was a kid i mean this example as i was a kid Um, he found an old like black glove lying on the shelf in a grocery store and he tossed it towards a group of people and just jokingly screamed rat and they scattered they scattered and he laughed i laughed i thought it was great i was like eight you know yeah. you try that with one person you may get that kind of reaction more than likely they're gonna go that's a glove don't be a dick you know because one person if one person sees it's kind of like that old Kings of comedy with Cedric the entertainer. If you're in a movie theater or a a stadium or an amphitheater and you see 15 people get up and take off running, everybody's going to get up and take off running. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you see one guy get up, you see one guy get up and take off running, you, you become analytical. You think, Oh, that guy's got to go to the bathroom.
1: Yeah.
0: Or that guy already went to the bathroom, you know, something along those lines. But, you know, and you, you see more of the mob mentality on the Internet, on Twitter, on Facebook, um, not so much on Instagram, but I'm not really on Facebook or Instagram all that much, so I don't know. But you, like you said, you see one person say something, and it could be, like you said, a window to their soul and who they really are as a person, or it could be a statement a simple statement that can be taken in multiple ways but if one person takes it a certain way and then someone else of a, of a similar viewpoint takes it that same way it cascades and it becomes an avalanche of like a giant echo chamber of rhetoric off of the way one person saw another person say something the way they interpreted what they said and I think is that something you've experienced there on campus? Is that something you see one person say something and all of a sudden, like the droves and the horde come in to kind of just, you know, make their voice heard for, I guess, brownie points or attention to say, Hey, yes, this is true. This guy's right. Yeah. Or this, this person's right. Whatever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It'll get times where someone will say something in class and and then you'll get like a bunch of other people going like, yeah, yeah. And I've been on the, I've been on the side of that. I one time, uh, the professor was talking about like, hey, what do you guys? Is there anything you guys dislike about college? And I went off on a freaking rant about like, look, this is nonsense. Everyone hates this. Like, and I went on, basically went on my rant about like, look, people are paying this crazy amount of money for degrees. The degree at this point doesn't even guarantee them a job in the job market. So you get all these students here now saddled with debt, may not even get a job other than a Starbucks barista with a bachelor's degree, on and on. So I just went off on this rant, and everyone in the class was, you know, like, agreeing with me. They like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that yeah. felt good, but then other times you get, like, someone going off on a rant about, um, you know, I was at this Senate meeting for the school, because, like, the schools have, to know, another school government kind of thing, and, uh, and, and the white man who was running the whole thing was ignoring all the women and, like, all the people in the class are getting kind of, not like crazy riled up, but a little bit riled up, you know, by, by the speech that this girl's giving about how she was, she shut down this guy at this speech because, you know, he was a straight white man and he had no business telling her what to do or, uh, you know, or trying to shut her down. And so it was like, I, I don't know, people, like you said, people are dumber in groups. <laughs> 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 you riled up like that. And for me, trying to avoid and here's the thing with groups is that it's a double-edged sword because sometimes groups will make you think really stupid things and they'll get you really confident that what you, you believe is right even when it's total full. And other times that group is going to make you a better person and they're really gonna, they're going to shape you into being, and they're going to give you the strength to kind of stick with your convictions when sometimes stuff gets a little harder. And that's why So many men on our corner Twitter have created their own little groups of men. You know, you have Hunter's Fraternity of Excellence, which is awesome. You have Jeff Murphy's Little Order. You have Andrew Tate's War Room. These guys want a group behind them that's going to help them get better in life. And so when you have a tribe, that's really important. You just want to make sure that you're in the right tribe and they're not causing you to do stupid things. And I think that you can usually see that by the direct results in your own life. If you're in a group of people and you're not more successful, happier, um, and objectively, at least by whatever your standards are, getting better as a person, if you're not getting even more physically fit by being around those people, uh, then, then something's wrong. And you should be examining the results and then from there judging whether or not this group is good for you. Because I know college students, they're like, yeah, I smoke all night long. I drink and I smoke and then I go to sleep and that's normal. And a bunch of them do that. And so for them, there's that positive feedback of like, yeah, this is the right thing to do, or that's okay to do. Um, And they're, because they're in that group, they're reaffirmed, but then there's situations like you and I, where, you know, you were, I think one of the topics you wanted to touch on was, well, how do you stay strong in your convictions in a school? That's filled with nut jobs who think that everything you say is wrong and that men can be women and, and that, at simultaneously while saying that gender isn't even real, which is kind of a funny contradiction. And my response to that is I'm surrounded by awesome people that help me all the time and that I agree with and who sharpened me up. And I left the fraternity of excellence because of the financial reasons, but they're an awesome group of people. And so many guys improve just by nature of being inside that group and surrounded by men like that. So, and the other thing is your convictions while growing up, I was raised in a Christian homeschool environment. My parents have been married for over 25 years now. Uh, They have judging at least, and I I don't see absolutely everything because I'm not my parents, but judging by what I've seen over the 21 years that I've been alive, pretty good marriage. Uh, And most of my friends have similar situations. Most of my friends growing up came from two parent homes and their parents are still married. And so I saw all that and I saw the values that came out of that. And I believed in those values and I've stuck with them from the time I was a little kid all the way up till through high school. And if you are not strong in your convictions by the time you're 15, 16 years old, if you don't have some beliefs that honor is important, that loyalty is important, if you don't believe those things strongly by the time you're 16, chances are whoever comes in with a tidal wave of, of a group opinion is going gonna, is gonna to get you to change your mind when, when college hits. If you don't have really strong convictions before you hit college and you're still this mal- completely malleable slate, not slate, but uh, you're still kind of a completely blank slate and you go into college, those professors are going to carve you up in exactly what they want you to be. And that's not always, most of the time, that's not a good thing. But at the same time, you don't want to be so damn rock hard that you never grow and you never learn something new.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say that. I was going to say, well, yeah, you know, you should have your principles and your values and your morals that are unwavering. What is something that you've had an opinion on or a viewpoint on that has changed uh, because of something that influenced you there in college? Because like you said, you don't want to be this finished sculpture. You don't want to be this hard, unmalleable piece of flesh that nothing can get to where you're no longer able to grow. You know, when you, You start molting that exoskeleton. If you don't stretch out and move a little bit, you get stuck exactly where you are. And no one wants to be stuck that way. No one wants to be hardened to a point where they can no longer expand. So what's something that you went into college thinking or knowing or believing, but then through that experience of that outer influence, what's something that has changed
1: It's probably difficult because I'm I'm pretty solid in that I don't, it takes a lot to get me to change because and there's a part of me that likes to fight. I do like being a little bit different and I like going, no, you're wrong, you move. But uh, i trying to think of something that's changed in my opinion. Honestly, my opinions have been more changed by our community on Twitter than they have been by college professors. If anything college professors have pushed me um, in the opposite direction of, of their team. team. Um, because I used to, when I was something that I changed my opinion on, I know this isn't directly college related, I used to think, well, you can take two hurting people, throw them in a relationship together, and if they love each other enough, they can heal each other. That's bullshit. All right. And I kind of learned that the hard way. Um, that's nonsense. And after seeing people like you, people like Adam Lane Smith guys on Twitter who describe their own life experiences um, and experiences with their spouse, I'm able to look and go like, no, you got to be a finished product before you start getting into relationships and things like that. So that's something I grew on. College probably teaches the opposite of that. They continue to teach that more romantics. College professors don't t- comment on these kinds of things. Professors don't t- wag their finger at you like, well, you're going to do this. Um, but it's the other students that'll kind of get you get you thinking like, no, it's totally fine. Um in terms of actual academic stuff I've changed my mind on, I can't really think of any that comes to mind at the moment because I've been in, because there's very little nuance. Their the opinions are usually the complete opposite. So like I said, gender is a social construct, something like that. I don't believe that. I'm never going to believe that. That's almost things I'm not going to change. Um, I, wish, I wish I did have an answer because it looks, it does make it look like I am that unmalleable slate that's a finished product. Um, when when I'm definitely not, like I said, most of my growth has come more from, from outside of school. It's from the men I talk to and my girlfriend too. Yeah. And you
0: see, that's very disheartening to hear and it's not something that's your fault, but so when you go off to college, it's usually the first time you ever get a chance to meet people from different backgrounds, different cultures, because when you grow up in a certain area, everybody has the same demographic and they're pretty much all going to be along the same ideological point of view. But when you get to college, you see that everyone there is the same and you're the only outlier. And that's kind of disheartening that when you got to a new place full of new people, there was zero diversity. There was zero zero difference in everybody else. And you're just looking at everyone going, you're, you're all the same. There's nothing for me to learn from all these different people because everyone else is just the same and there's no variation in people. And do you think that that is probably the biggest issue that we're seeing in colleges today?
1: It's definitely one of them. Here's the thing is that I learn most, and I try to learn most from people who I look at and go, I want his life. I want a life like his. I want something like that. So the reason I bring up Adam Lane Smith all the time is one, he's like the closest thing I've ever had to an older brother. But two, I look at his marriage. I look at the way he's raising his kids and I go, I want that for myself one day. I look at all my peers in college. I hear what they do. I see what they look like physically, how fit or really not they are. I see what they believe, and there is know, most of them don't even look like they're happy. There is nothing there I look at and go, "I want that." Not, not one thing. And same goes for my professors. Even the most masculine of my professors, and that's kind of saying something. Um, or rather, it's not saying much at that campus. It's like, "Yeah, I've been divorced two times, and like, I'm just not." It's like I don't want this guy's life. Now, as a journalist. Brilliant journalist, so I can learn his trade from him. But in terms of general lifestyle stuff and even some political views, I look at people and I go, I don't want that for myself. I don't want that for my children. So that's one of the things. That's one of the reasons why it's hard to develop from those people. Whereas all those guys like I said, I hang out on Twitter, I look at them and I, admit, this, you know, I don't, I don't entirely want Adam's life. I don't entirely want your life. But I look at certain things that you guys have and I go, I really admire that and I want that for myself. And so I want to learn how to get that. I don't want Andrew Tate's life. I'm okay with having one girlfriend. I don't need five. But he's a multimillionaire. That's pretty awesome. He's got all these nice cars and he knows how to fight really well. So I look at that and go, okay, those things I kind of want. Uh, so so it, it's, it's that. So With college students who... Or rather, with college in general, where there's a lack of diversity. There's plenty of diversity in my school, just not in thought. There's no thought diversity. There's only racial and and gender and sexual orientation diversity and ethnic diversity. Those aren't inherently bad things, but they're not inherently good things either. They're just things.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with you know having a diverse group of people of, of you know. Race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, things like that, but when there's no diversity of thought.
1: And here's the thing: is that there's that's why the term intersectional is used. So you hear about intersectional feminism. What that means is that everything connects to something else. So if you believe this thing, therefore you believe X, Y, and Z. If you are a feminist, you inherently support abortion rights. Or just abortion. Shouldn't use the word rights. Abortion. Transgender rights, on and on. Like there's a list, and this is why when left leaning people look at people who like you, they'll go, "Well, you're pro gun, so you must be," and like, they like they drop that whole list on you, and you're like, "No, of course I'm not racist, but my, my wife is Hispanic, my girlfriend's Mexican, so, so I can relate to that a little bit, though um, so she looks very white, so she doesn't get treated figured out in public like that." Uh, But you know, they think that because you believe X, therefore you must also believe Y and Z, because that's how they operate. In my school, a lot of people are like that. If you believe, if they believe this thing, you can kind of fill in the blanks on the rest of what they believe and and it's usually pretty accurate. And that's why why they assume that people people like you, who remain apolitical, and even people like me who are more on the conservative end and self-described as conservative, um, they think that they can just throw that same template on us and that it works, but it doesn't.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's, that's the thing that we do now, I guess, uh, in society is we, you know, humans like things nice and neat and tidy. And so they try to put everybody into a box. You know, they put a nice little box with a nice little packaging on it and a nice little label, and this is, this is X, this is Y, this is Z. Yep. But, I mean, anybody who's actually lived, you know, can see that nothing in life is neat and tidy, and it's not black and white. There's gray, there's nuance, there's exceptions.
1: Yeah, people build their identity around a thousand different things, and that's half of what Twitter Twitter bios are, right? Um, I'm an intersectional feminist, they them with, you know, and they'll say, like, Wiccan and all these other crazy things, and, um, you know, some of them are, like, they're things they can't change, like, you know, African-American, blah, blah, and they'll fill in, that kind of stuff, and then some of it's ideological, and that's why my bio is simply man of honor. That's all I care about i want to be an honorable guy and if i get that right i think because honor encompasses so many other virtues beneath it courage um and many many other other ones that are important too, loyalty i think that if i can get that kind of one thing right that's the most important part and that's my identity and those are things that i value because if i lose that then i'm not me
0: i agree i agree totally um i don't think people should base their entire personality off of one tiny, one, one, one tiny little detail uh, of their life.
1: To, I don't put straight white Christian man in my bio. It's, it's,
0: well, those are the most meaningless things about you.
1: That people will look at that and go like, no, now I don't want to hear your opinion. The only person who did that really well is uh, Craig James. But that's because he did the ironic like. Yeah,
0: he did it ironically.
1: Uh, what was it? Patriarch. It, it's brilliant. Uh, I like the way he did it. But, you know, he did it as, partly as a joke.
0: Partly yeah. You know, it's, it's similar to what I told my son, uh, you know, when he came out and told me that he was gay. I was, uh, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but
1: what else are you? you know?
0: Right. I, I explained to him that that is the most minuscule and meaningless piece of who you are it's it's as meaningless as me saying i'm a heterosexual no one should be basing who they are as a person on a such a meaningless piece of information about themselves you know i like steak that means nothing as to who i am as a person yeah you know my son likes guys that means nothing to who he is as a person It has absolutely fuck all to do with the content of his character. And I find it really sad that people can't differentiate those things. They think, well, I'm a conservative, or I'm a Democrat, or I'm trans, or I'm gay, or I'm bi, or I'm XYZ, whatever. So therefore, as you said with the intersectionality, I also must da-da-da-da. And it doesn't mean squat, you know whether my son wants to marry a man whether he wants to marry a woman none of those mean anything as to far as to who he is as a person none of those things mean anything as to the content of his character how he treats other people uh in my personal opinion whether or not he uses turn signals cuz those guys are assholes oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh i i i, I,
1: I people is usually this nowadays especially because like I said the guys I hang around with now if I can trust you let's say and it's a funny scenario because it's unrealistic but if my house is under attack and I call you and I can count on you to come to my house with a rifle or two and know how to handle it and help me out you're all right by me that's it that's what I well,
0: the sense. willingness to do that too
1: exactly if you're willing like... and able to do that no, the, the willingness is more important or almost more important than the ability in terms of, like, who should be your friend's ability. Is yeah. Important.
0: Yeah, I judge, I judge my friends off of if it cost them something that means something to them, would they still come to my aid? Yeah.
1: You
0: know, if it would cost them anything, would they still come to my aid, no matter what that is, whether it be the reputation, whether it be um, – money, whether it be status, would they still come to my side in my time of
1: need? And this is why that very reason why there is why Roman McClay made such a big deal about the whole IonCon splitting down the middle, and that's why he wanted people to make a statement Say he didn't want, because when I DM'd him, I said, look, I agree with you, man. He said, well, then let them know because he's like, I don't just want some empty, like, oh, you know, I'm with you privately. He's like, it should cost you at least a little bit of something. You want to put yourself on the line a tiny bit. It's Twitter. It's not that big a deal. You know, it's not like I'm going to get shot, obviously. But he wants to know that you're actually going to do something and put a little bit of yourself on the line for him besides just like sending him a nice message. I'm like, oh, I'm in the corner, man. Yeah. You know,
0: I was a speaker for IonCon. And when that whole thing went down, I had to choose. What means more, uh, making a couple of grand or my friendship with Roman? And I chose my friendship with Roman. And do I have anything personal against uh, the members of IonCon? No. But do I think what transpired was horseshit? Yeah. You know, the person whose name I'm not going to drag through the mud because I'm just not going to do that. Uh, acted out of propriety and when that happens people do need to take sides and so yeah I lost potentially a few thousand bucks but that means nothing to me in comparison with to my friendship with you know you or Roman or
1: exactly. any
0: of my any of my other friends
1: and there's a lot of people that would totally trade their friends in for a few grand Of course. You look at the internet you're like, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, of course. But I think that's a good spot to wrap up. So as we're coming to the end, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you?
1: Primarily right now, just at Andrew Loeschner on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. Uh, My last name is spelled L-O-E-S-C-H-N-E-R. I know it'll probably be in the podcast description. But uh, I know it's a bitch to spell. So that's where I'm most active. I reply pretty much to everyone, especially if you DM me, unless you just say, hey, you <laughs> know, something like that. Because uh, I like interacting with people. Most, most of the people I talk to are really awesome. So that's most of my stuff I'm trying to think of anywhere else. That's, that's it for now. I haven't quite, like I joked on Joseph Smith's podcast, I don't have a brand yet. I don't have all that kind of stuff. I will say um, in a couple of weeks, though, I've been helping Roman with that project on the sanction patches nice so i have 99 unfortunately only 99 came in i don't know why the hundred didn't so i kept one to myself obviously roman's getting one uh so there's a limited limited quantity here and based off how that sells we'll see if we end up getting more or not but uh yeah that's a project that i'm doing with him so i'm working at the whole shipping thing and then i'm gonna send them on to his website tech guy they're gonna go up on the website soon enough and uh, I'm really excited for that. That's really it. So Sanctionthebook.com is where those are going to be probably in the next three weeks, hopefully. Don't quote me on that, though, because I don't do the tech stuff, so it might take longer. Uh, and yeah, Andrew Lochner on Twitter. That's, those are the places you'll find me.
0: So at Andrew Lochner, you can follow this guy who resembles my second oldest son and is <laughs> the same age as my oldest son.
1: <laughs> I can't believe it. When your wife, you said your wife Saw my Twitter and was like, is
0: that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, Andrew, I want to go ahead and thank you for coming on, man. Uh, I really appreciate it. I think while this conversation started as going to be about, you know, life on a liberal campus as a conservative masculine man, I think it involved evolved into something a little deeper and kind of uh, put to bed some misconceptions and also put to bed uh, – a typical stereotype of what we will normally see on a college campus. Some things were reaffirmed. Some things were completely shot down, uh, which as they should be. I think that if we don't look at things through a much broader lens, we uh, we, we risk becoming an echo chamber that never has room to grow and like we talked about earlier if you're not growing you're stopped if you're if you're stopped you're dead you know you can't be you can't be this unmovable immalleable object where no outside influence is going to change the things that uh, you believe or know you know and i say no not as on an intellectual level but more know on an ontological level you know something that just you you know it in your bones kind of thing but we're going to wrap this one up and so i really appreciate you coming on man
1: thank you so much for having me i want i'll make one final point is that if you're a young guy young woman in college and you're surrounded by people who are just you don't even want to associate with too much because it's not the lifestyle you want go on twitter go on the internet you will find like-minded people and you will make genuine friends that'll that'll help you grow i have grown a lot in the past two years based off of those friendships alone
0: well said but also uh add the caveat don't just leave it to the internet (laughs) yeah meet real people make real connections that's it for the third episode of the rugged legacy podcast and this is jeff putnam signing off wants to rise from the ashes but very few are willing to set themselves on fire this has been a rugged
1: legacy production